Bottom line is, if the 1984 Video Music Awards met the 2016 Video Music Awards in an alley, it beat the crap out of it for being so lame. Hello and welcome back to the Ear Fuel Podcast. As always, I'm Joel Freemark, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at @getearfuel and at the Daily Guru. The podcast is always available in the iTunes and Google Play stores under Ear Fuel and at getearfuel.com. Today, I'm going to discuss why the MTV Video Music Awards have fallen from grace and why MTV itself needs to take a good long look in the mirror. But before we get into that, a quick album review. The album I want to look at today is called Blonde, and it's the new release from Frank Ocean that everybody is talking about. Now, if you don't know Frank Ocean's music, chances are you've at least heard his name. He's a combination of soul and R&B and hip-hop, and in many ways, he's the definition of having a unique musical sound. His 2012 album, Channel Orange, was near the top of damn near every best-of list that year, and with good reason. It had this electro-funk, psychedelic, and all sorts of other sounds melted together in this totally new way, and that level of creativity is why so many people were so excited for this new album. When thinking about this album, the one word that keeps popping into my head is minimalist, but in a very good way. Overall, the sounds are so smooth, yet understated, that it creates this unique musical atmosphere that I really dig, for the most part. It is a very chilled out record, but it also keeps you engaged from track to track. And when I say chilled out, it's that way different in the way that I talk about down-tempo ambient music or smooth R&B, but it's simultaneously a bit of both. You get everything from this almost 80s synth sound on White Ferrari to some gorgeous guitar on the song Self Control to the wonderfully smooth groove of Pink and White. And it's really one of those records that when it's good, it's really good. The way the vocals blend with the wide array of instrumentations keeps things fresh, and you can really see this album as a sonic painting as Frank finds different ways to convey his feelings. But there are also a number of moments on this album that I didn't care for at all. Tracks like Pretty Sweet and Nights and Good Guy are definite passes, and the opening track, it was just a really poor choice in terms of ordering, as it's one of the weaker songs on the album, and I think the second song would have been a much stronger way to start. Taking everything into account, I think what we have here is an artist on the cusp of unprecedented greatness. I mean that, and I do not say it lightly. That is to say, I feel like Frank Ocean is focusing in on his next record, and that one is going to change the landscape of music. There are these teases and moments here that suggest it's sort of a work in progress, but as an album itself, it falls pretty far from great. It's good, at times, at best. This is one of those albums I think you need to check out so that when the next record comes out, you understand where it came from. Go get Channel Orange, his record before this. You will love that one. Check this out to understand where he's at, and then sit and wait for the next album. Moving on. This past weekend, we had the annual MTV Video Music Awards. Yeah, really, really, they were this past weekend. I know a lot of you probably didn't know that because this year's edition managed to get the network their lowest TV ratings ever, and with good reason. We'll get to that. In their defense, their streaming numbers skyrocketed, or so they claim, but when you're broadcasting across 11, yeah, 11 different channels simultaneously, it's never good to be rewarded with historically low viewership. But I'm not here to talk about low ratings. That would be really weird, because I know most people actually assumed the VMAs ended years ago. 
but MTV remains hellbent on trotting out their once-proud, once-relevant awards show year after year after year. Now, it's easy to make fun of the show and call it things like, well, uh, <laughs> once-proud and once-relevant, but I honestly think it deserves far more discussion than just name-calling because for the better part of 20 years, it was a landmark cultural event. Yeah, a landmark event. It was must-see TV for so many reasons, as you never knew what was going to happen in the best way possible, and it would create talking points for months to come, and if you didn't watch, you were going to be clueless with your friends and coworkers the next day. It was that simple. That is what I'm going to dig into today. We're going to explore the sort of rise and fall of the VMAs and how they ended up in this rather dismal state they're in, and maybe why they should just cancel them altogether. Well, we'll see where this ends up. But before we go any further, let's get one thing straight. The conversation today is not about the music each year insofar as a question of the quality of music. I know people want to take cheap shots at the current batch of pop stars and rock bands, but let's just remember, for every Guns N' Roses, there's a Night Ranger. For every Notorious B.I.G., there's a Snow or a Puff Daddy. For every Outcast, there's a Black Eyed Peas, and of course, for every Justin Timberlake, there's a Justin Bieber. So with that out of the way, let's hop into the Wayback Machine, because if you consider the world that the Video Music Awards were born into, it's pretty obvious why they're basically irrelevant in more modern times. The first MTV Video Music Awards were held all the way back in September of 1984, just a bit over three years after the network launched. If my memory serves me right, MTV launched on August 1st, 1981. So yeah, you know, three years in a month, basically. Now, it may be hard to think of MTV in this way, but at the time, it was a very rebellious thing, the network. Music videos were kind of counterculture in some ways, and MTV had already become the go-to place for what was cool. Also at the time, awards shows in general were still extremely stiff and stuffy. In case you were wondering, the Grammys that year, 1984, were hosted by, any guesses? Any? No? John Denver. Yeah, seriously, John Denver. Now, I know we've become used to comedians hosting award shows and having them filled with these big, made-to-be viral moments, but in many ways, comedians and all that is a result of the impact of the Video Music Awards over the years. So, back to the 84 VMAs. The initial incarnation was put together to be an alternative to the feeling and the tone of the Grammys. It was conceived to be beyond cool in every way possible, and that was helped by Dan Aykroyd and Bette Midler being the hosts. And for those of you who only know Bette Midler from The Rose and Wind Beneath My Wings and wondering how she's cool, go check out her Live at Last album and film, and you will quickly understand why she was the perfect choice for that. In that initial year, Herbie Hancock, yeah, won a number of awards for his Rocket video. If you don't know it, check it out again. You'll understand. And Michael Jackson won three for a really small video called Thriller. Yeah, Thriller was up for it that year. Yet, neither of those are the most important event that happened that evening. You see, from day one of the VMAs, almost every year there was some moment, some incident that would be talked about for weeks across media and magazines and water coolers. And in some cases, they remain legendary moments to this day. And that's what the very first VMAs produced, unintentionally. One of the most iconic moments in all of live television history, and it was all thanks to Madonna. Yep, it was at the very first Video Music Awards where she did her infamous performance of Like a Virgin with her trademark boy toy belt buckle, the wedding dress, and then she basically humped the floor on live television in 1984. 
And while it was every adolescent boy's wet dream, it was the perfect fuel that Tipper Gore needed to start censoring music, but it also pushed culture forward. It had been done. She did it on live television. And somehow we survived the indecent visuals. Really, though, that was a massively important moment on so many levels. Aside from the shock to conservatives, it firmly cemented MTV's place as rebels and going against the system and as the kings of cool, really. And it also set the bar for artists making VMA performances special. Now, Madonna would give a number of other unforgettable VMA performances. Uh, Vogue in 91, my personal favorite was Express Yourself in 89, and then there was that other incident many years later, but we'll get to that shortly. So, if you look at the rest of the 1980s, as MTV became more and more the controlling force in the musical universe, every star, regardless of occupation, made a point to be at the Video Music Awards. Movie stars, athletes, you name it. The VMAs was the place to be seen if you needed some cool cred. It was so huge and so important that even the pre-show and the post-show were creating these huge cultural moments. Courtney Love throwing her makeup thing, getting into it with Madonna. You remember that? Yeah. And the red carpet was a who's who that was custom made to speak directly to teens and early 20-somethings. Along with there being some big moment almost every year, there were incredible performances that you just couldn't see anywhere else. Whether it was the reunion of Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, Prince's sizzling, assless chap performance of Get Off, Axl Rose sitting in with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, yeah, that happened. Or so many others. This was often the only time to see these acts, especially if they weren't coming to your town. This was it! The place to be, and you got to see them all on the same evening. Huge band after huge pop star after huge band after huge band. It was the event of the year for so long. And this is where I think YouTube does its first disservice to the VMAs, and it's sort of along the same lines as the damage I think it does to live performances in general. We touched on that the other week when we were talking about shock rock. I mean, now you can see clips of basically any band in any era if you scour YouTube long enough, and guest appearances, they go viral the next day. It's that mystery, that surprise, and... Just the sheer appeal of seeing something special that the Video Music Awards simply can't offer anymore. Sure, they hyped this year up by saying Kanye West would have four minutes to do whatever he wanted, but nobody had delusions that it would be anything beyond self-promotion. There was literally zero reason to tune in this year, and if you did watch, you were treated to some of the most uninspired lip-syncing performances alongside a completely disorganized awards presentation. There's just nothing big, nothing to talk about, nothing... Nothing interesting, and that's been the case for a few years now. There just doesn't seem to be that big moment anymore. I mean, this most recent iteration was so bland and phoned in that the only thing people are talking about is how a current flash-in-the-pan rapper maybe possibly tried to kiss Britney Spears on stage, and she denied him. It's a pretty far cry from performing with a live snake or tonguing Madonna, even by Britney Spears' standards. Oh, wait. Puff Daddy showed up to promote his nostalgia tour that's missing the biggest part of why he's relevant, and then plugged his vodka before presenting an award to Drake, who wasn't even there because he was stuck in traffic, legitimately. Fifteen years ago, they would have found some way to delay the show or reorder the awards until one of the biggest stars on the planet arrived. But this past weekend, it just didn't matter because it's so clearly not about the awards or performances anymore. It's about the advertising dollars. <sighs> but I digress. Back to big moments. 
just off the top of my head, let's think, huge, iconic, talk about it for years moments from the Video Music Awards. Let's see. Well, there was Kanye West interrupting Taylor Swift in 2009, Fiona Apple's drunken rant in like 97-ish, Pee Wee Herman opening the 91 Awards like months after his arrest for lewd conduct. That is one of my favorite television moments ever. If you don't know, Pee Wee got arrested, you know, the whole what he was doing in an adult movie theater and he basically fell off the radar for a number of months and they don't didn't even announce it and the video music awards open peewee herman walks out on stage the crowd goes crazy standing ovation and all peewee says is heard any good jokes lately amazing amazing moment that only mtv could pull off that it was just it was the perfect place ah so good what else was there um there was the hidden nine inch nails message broadcast thing in 98 there was a fist fight, if I'm not mistaken, in 89. Oh, the Leningrad Cowboys doing Sweet Home Alabama with the Russian Red Army Men's Chorus. The list goes on and on, with at least one incident a year becoming a cultural moment to the point that, you know, SNL or someone else would mock it. Or, again, we're still talking about it to this day. Now, let me think here. In just the last 10 years, were there any big moments like that? You know, Kanye and Taylor Swift, we know. Uh, there was Lady Gaga's meat dress. Uh, well, that's about it. Oh, wait, there was the 30-second long sync reunion. That was a hilarious letdown. So aside from that, yeah, nothing in the last decade. Stars just don't feel the same necessity to show up and perform anymore or do something special. I mean, Taylor Swift, one of the biggest acts on earth, opted for jury duty in Tennessee instead of attending the VMAs. It's kind of all you need to know. But... MTV insists on hosting the awards year in and year out, and that forces us to address the elephant in the room when it comes to the MTV Video Music Awards. And that's the fact that MTV really doesn't show music videos anymore, as well as the fact that the public votes on the best videos around every single day. On average, in case you're wondering, MTV airs videos for about three hours a day, running in the very early hours of the morning talking 3 and 4 a.m. here. You know, the old Insomniac Theater time slot. Oh, I loved Insomniac Theater. It was so good. It's not really music television anymore. It's been a slow transformation, but MTV became little more than another reality TV network about, I don't know, seven, maybe ten years ago, maybe more. Why they changed format to reality TV isn't really what we're questioning here, as it's sort of irrelevant. What matters is that they just don't show videos anymore, and that gives them very little to stand on in terms of credibility for giving awards on music videos. Even in the waning years of MTV showing videos as TRL began its final descent, they were at least showing bits and pieces of videos throughout the day, and the shows were at least somewhat tied to music. With their current reality, it's akin to Best Buy advertising for CDs. I mean... Yeah, they have some if you look in the right place at the right time in the right store, but it's not where you go for music anymore. Furthering their case for lack of credibility is, again, YouTube. I mean, think about it. Where do you go to see music videos? MTV? No. You go to YouTube or some other streaming platform. Less than 20 years ago, the answer was, you know, MTV, VH1, BET, maybe much music. And channels like that were really the only place to see videos. You'd sometimes have to wait an hour or two for the video you wanted to see come up, if it did at all. And now you can just click it on your phone whenever you want and watch Weird Al's word crimes over and over and over again because it's a really awesome video. Just saying. If you want to know the best video of the year, or at least the most popular, YouTube has a view counter system that'll give you that fact. 
It's a voting committee much larger and more representative than the random group of award pickers at MTV, and it also allows for completely random, unsuspecting videos to go huge. Just ask Rebecca Blacker Sigh what that's like. The world doesn't need the MTV Video Music Awards anymore, and with the way they've gone the last few years, people don't even want them much anymore, it seems. But why? What happened? How did it fall so far, so fast? In the end, I think it comes down to one rather harsh reality. MTV just isn't cool anymore. For decades, they were the barometer for cool, but to be blunt, they're old now. The attitude, the edge, it's completely gone, and in its place is a very cold, predictable corporate feel. The leather jackets and Jack Daniels have been booted out in favor of tailored suits and Perrier. Maybe the reason they don't show videos anymore is because they gave up on getting that audience back. Reality TV is selling and keeping them in business, so it's basically necessary now. The original MTV model just doesn't work anymore. People don't need a television station with music videos, and MTV knows it. But for some reason, while they've tossed the video model out the window, they insist on keeping the video award show going just the same. I'm sure it brings in tons of money in advertising, but when it comes to music, is there anything less rock and roll or less cool than doing something just for the money? Now, before we wrap the episode, I do, of course, have your weekly Ear Fuel listening assignment. For those of you new to the podcast, each week I assign an album to listen to in full, beginning to end, without any distractions or interruptions. It stems from the fact that these days, people have largely relegated music to a background task. You're driving, you're at work, you're at the gym, whatever. And this assignment is about taking some time each week to consciously listen to music for the sake of the music alone. This week, since I mentioned her a number of times, and it happens to be one of my all-time favorite records, your listening assignment is Madonna's 1983 self-titled debut. When it comes to true pop perfection, there isn't another record by any other artist that can compare to this one. None. From the almost ethereal keyboards of Borderline, to the insanely catchy sounds on Lucky Star, to the funky dance anthem of Physical Attraction, there's not a moment out of place anywhere on this record. The drum programming and synths are perfectly 80s, but at the same time, they still sound perfect and get you grooving more than three decades later. You can also hear kind of the final gasp of disco on this record, but this is also the album that really set up the pop music sound for the remainder of that decade. The record is bouncy and simple to a certain extent, but the energy cannot be denied. And of course, you also have Madonna giving a stellar performance from beginning to end and quickly cementing her place as a voice to be reckoned with. She gives so much personality throughout this record, and that was one of the keys to her success. The songs came off as very personal, and you can feel just how much she's enjoying singing each track. It's that sense of fun and almost rebellious youth that's one half of the Madonna puzzle. The other half? Undeniable sensuality. The record overflows with love and lust, but it's that youthfulness and that somehow managing to be a girl-next-door vibe that vaults this album beyond others. And yeah, she can sing her ass off. It's freaking Madonna. And that passion for singing and getting other people dancing can be felt on every note of this record. Madonna simply defines that era of music, and this album plays a key role in that reality. I mean, you've got Borderline on here, and for many people, myself included, it is the greatest pop song ever, ever. You can't top it. So if somehow you haven't played Madonna's debut album in full, you need to change that right now. Thank me later. 
So that's all for this week. Be sure to tweet at me at, at the Daily Guru and at Get Earfuel and let me know your all-time favorite video music awards moment. As always, the podcast is available in the iTunes and Google Play stores along with at GetEarFuel.com. That is your weekly Earfuel. Share and enjoy. Thank <laughs> you.